everyone. Thank you so much for the time. And thank you, Tiffany. I'm really proud to bring a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, Matt Higgins. Uh, he's been a, a close friend of mine since he worked with me at a different department here on UNM's main campus. And so uh, I'm going to bring him in. And Matt, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship to the University of New Mexico. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Tiffany, Ben, it's nice to be here. I'm pretty excited. So I, um, you know, I, I'm from Albuquerque. I'm an Albuquerque native. So going to UNM was, in my mind, the, the best option when I came out of high school. So I, I enrolled at UNM for my bachelor's degree right out of high school. And I, I got a degree in communication where I was looking at interpersonal communication, leadership communication, and what healthy communication is. Um, and then after finishing that, I went and coached college basketball. And after doing that for a couple of years, I felt a little burnt out and wanted to come back to UNM to, to do my master's degree. And that's when I met Ben. That's when I started working for him at, um, uh, at the, at the, at Johnson gym, um, doing just some of the basic services for them. But, um, during that time is when I worked on my master's and that's when I started studying, um, mental health kind of things, looking at resilience and those kinds of things like that. And once I finished my, my master's, I stayed connected with UNM. Uh, I haven't been a student with UNM for three years at this point, but I do still uh, collaborate on research projects with some people from other departments. So I do still have uh, connections to the school, which makes me happy because I, I love UNM. Awesome. Can you tell us, like, where have you been since UNM? I take it you graduated from UNM. And then mm -hmm. what, where'd you go? What happened after that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I, I, I finished my master's degree in 2019, and I, I, I had applied for my current PhD program at Claremont Graduate University. I, I had applied to get in right away, um, and I was accepted, but I was a little burnt out on school, so I needed some time off. Understandably. So I, yeah, so I, uh, I, paused, I paused my start date, and I deferred it for one year, and I went to Australia, and I just I had no plan. I just went just got some random job there. And then I went and volunteered at the University of Melbourne as a research assistant. And, and I was there for a year um, traveling, just enjoying a completely different country, but also able to still do some research uh, into resilience, which was great. It was a lot of fun. And then I came back um, to Albuquerque, but the plan was to come back for maybe three weeks and then go to California where my PhD program was. But when I came back, it was at the very beginning of COVID. So everything was shut down. Campus was closed. Oh, no. So I stayed in Albuquerque for the first year of my PhD, which was 2020 to 2021, that school year. And then this last year, I actually was coaching college basketball again. I was in um, Colorado. I was coaching at a community college up in the northwest part of the state. Um, and then just recently, about two, maybe three months ago, I moved back to Albuquerque. Um, and I'll be here for a few years now. And then after that, we'll see what happens. But yeah, so after graduating, I, 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 moved to, I moved to Australia to do some research and just enjoy life. And then back to Albuquerque for a year for the PhD and then up to Colorado for a year for coaching. And then now back to Albuquerque. That's crazy. That's a, yeah. a right? large amount of travel. It's a, uh, yeah. a lot of, of work that you put into it. And yeah. You kind of talked about, and you touched on a little bit about your research that you were doing out in Australia. Can you kind of talk about a little bit about what you were doing out there in Australia? Yeah. So kind of to preface it, 
you know, my, my research at UNM in my master's degree, I looked at the relationship between culture and resilience. So my degree is communication. And you might wonder, you know, how does that connect to culture and resilience where culture and communication, they're, they're completely linked. Our culture influences the way we communicate and the way we communicate influences our culture. And how are those two things related to resilience? So I looked at that um, and I found interesting things. There's, there's a nice relationship between the two. Um, and then when I went to Australia, I, you know, I was living in Melbourne and they have uh, at the University of Melbourne, they have the, the Center for Positive Psychology. I actually think they're under a different name now, but at the time, that's what it was called, the Center for Positive Psychology. And positive psychology and resilience. Resilience is one of the bigger topics in the field of positive psychology. So I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and so I just went to them and I said, hey, this is who I am. I'm a, I, I just got my degree in resilience. I got free time. Do you need help with things? And they said, sure, we don't have any money for you, but if you're willing to work, come on in. <laughs> welcome to the university life. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know what? Let's do it. Um, and so there was a couple of different things that I worked on while I was there. Uh, one of them was a resilience training program for PhD students because their PhDs are really challenging because you're you're somewhat isolated. So they had a really Australia-wide, they had a really low graduation rate for PhD students. And so we were trying to develop an online training program, something that you could do on your own time at your own pace that would contribute to your, your resilience specifically for you as a PhD student. And then the other thing is I helped a professor um, with a research project where they were looking at how do you teach well-being literacy to children, to school children? So well-being literacy is just knowing the language about what well-being is. We all have this inherent knowledge of how to take care of ourselves, but we don't necessarily have the language to describe, explain, and take full control of that. And so she was working on teaching, teaching this to young children. And it was this really cool project where she's, you know, because you can't really interview kids, especially like eight-year-olds. They're not the best interviewees. Um, and so instead of just interviewing them or having them fill out surveys, what she did is she, she had them draw what it means to, to take care of your well-being. What does it mean for you to be happy and healthy? And they would they would draw it. And the initial ones would just be, you know, the first drawings would just be kids with a smiley face. And then they would go through teaching what well-being is. And then after they would be taught what well-being is throughout the entire course of the school year, it wasn't just one thing, it was a whole school year, they would redraw what well-being is. And the difference was amazing because the first drawing would be a smiling kid and the second one would be a kid with their toothbrush and their dog and their family is behind them. And so now they're having this much more a complex idea of what resilience is. And it's all these contributing factors or not what resilience, what well-being is and all these contributing factors. And so I helped with that project and, and you know, refining the results and getting it published for a paper. So it was a really great experience while, while I was there. It taught me a lot about how to boost well-being, how to boost psychological thriving, how to boost, uh, how to help people flourish in their lives. Uh, it was a critical experience for me. And it really motivates a lot of what I do now in my PhD studies. That's amazing to just hear what our alum are doing. You know, you have all these students who we talk to that are undergrads and who are graduate students. And then you're like, okay, they graduate. And then what? We don't know. But to mm -hmm. have like your story, thank you for sharing. That's so um, inspiring and motivational. And I hope it gives our listeners the same inspiration and motivation it's giving me. Um, I might go for my PhD one day, but then Ben will have to be the boss and then he might quit on me. So we'll see. <laughs> but I, I encourage it. I would say, I would say go for it. It's hard, but it's worth it. Oh, okay. Ben, see, I have his support. 
now you just need to talk to my husband so I can get his support too. Sure. Um, <laughs> so that, uh, Matthew, I want to go back a little bit. Um, you said you were going to UNM and that's how you and Ben met, right? It's because you worked for him at uh, Johnson Center with Rec Services. But why resiliency? Why not go into global communications or health communications? Why did you pick resiliency? Yeah, um, I didn't pick it. it I, and I don't want to say it picked me, um, but it kind of picked me. So I, I, when I, when I came back from coaching college basketball and I started my master's degree, I was doing communication. And all of my studies before that looked at leadership communication because I was a basketball coach. And, you know, what is coaching? It's communicating what you need to do so that they can go do it. So it's like, okay, if I want to be a good coach, I need to be a good communicator. So I was studying leadership communication. And um, I was reading a paper for one of my first semester classes. Um, and it was talking about communication and resilience. And while I was reading about resilience, it just reminded me of my best friend which is the connection between me and Ben. So my best friend, his name is Eric. He knew Ben long before I did. He worked before, he worked for Ben before I did. And when I needed a job, that's how I got to be hired there. Um, and so the story of Eric is this amazing story of resilience that I didn't quite realize in the moment. And I didn't realize it until I was in my master's degree reading a paper about resilience. And so this paper is explaining the processes of resilience and I can't stop seeing his story in those processes. So he was, uh, he played basketball in high school, but he was a small guy and basketball is a tall guy's game, a tall person's game. And it was hard for him. So he was getting cut. He was having, he wasn't getting a lot of opportunities, but he just kept trying. He kept looking for opportunities, making it happen. And he goes and plays college basketball and he goes and finds another school and that coach gets fired. So he needs a third one. He finds the third one. And then he gets diagnosed with cancer and we all dropped everything at the time. I actually quit coaching to help him fight cancer because he was my roommate, my best friend. And Ben was, Ben was a big resource for him at the time too. And so wow. watching him fight cancer, going from 180 pounds with like 2% body fat down to a hundred pounds in two months because of how devastating the chemotherapy was and, and seeing his skin lose all of its color and, and how, how hard it was for him to just walk from one room to the other. It was terrifying and it was, it was, it was traumatic. It was, it was really hard. So in the moment we, we didn't quite think about resilience. We just thought about how do we get through this and then we get through it. And then he has to have this huge, he has to have this huge surgery where he, he literally can't sit up straight for like four months and he finally gets cleared from this. And the doctor's like, you can go play basketball again. So he goes and he starts playing again. And two months after that, he signs his first contract to play professional basketball. And it's just like, we all thought your basketball career was done. And no, wow. not, only, not only was it not done, it advanced. And he's played professional basketball all over the world now. And so his story as a basketball player was resilience in itself, but the cancer is that huge piece. And so I'm reading this journal article about resilience. And it's the first time since he recovered from cancer that I'm thinking about the process of resilience for that specific story. And I'm just getting goosebumps. And I get goosebumps even in this moment talking about it because that's the first time in my life that I read an academic piece of writing and it actually touched me and it actually impacted me. And it made me think about life in, in a way in, with, with depth that I had never reached before. And I could not stop thinking about it for the next week after that, I'm up until two in the morning, every night, just writing ideas about resilience 
And it lit an academic fire for me that has been burning to this day. And that was in 2017. And that fire has only grown since then as I continue to study resilience in more settings, in more um, scenarios, more cultures, more groups. And so it's to me, it's, it's the one thing that connects all of life. Resilience exists in every aspect, in every single culture, with every group, every form of humanity, resilience exists in one shape, one way, shape, or form. But it's also true for life in general. Studying ecological resilience, how plants and how forests are recovering from wildfires teaches you a lot about how organizations bounce back from financial disasters, things like that. So it's the reason why I just, I can't let go of it is because it is the thing that connects everything. It was adversity is the one thing that's going to happen to everything at all times. It's the one thing that you can't prevent. It's like death. It's going to happen. So is resilience. And that's why I just, I can't let go of it. That's yeah. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you could see me and Ben, we're just shaking our heads, not knowing what to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm man. Shout out to, to Eric, our boy. We're, we love you. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, I need to know, meet going, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's an amazing person. Um, Eric, if you're listening, come to Shaq. I will feed you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, going through it all, you know, going through with Eric, going through it with, with Matt, uh, at the time you kind of develop these, these internal systems to help you cope uh, with, you know, the, the trauma that you see your friend going through and the word that, that Matt, you kept saying was resilience. And so yeah. that was something we do subconsciously and consciously. Right. But mm -hmm. can you kind of talk about like resiliency? What is that? What, what yeah. does that mean? Yeah. yeah. One of the reasons and why, why is it important too? Like, yeah. why, why do we need yeah. it? One of the reasons why I love the, the, just the topic itself is because it's one of those words that we all know it, but if somebody said, Hey, define it, it's not that easy. It's, it's, it's so <laughs> ubiquitous. It's everywhere that we, we, we know how to use it in context, but we don't necessarily know how to define it. And that's one of the interesting parts about the literature surrounding resilience is there's a huge debate on literally just how to define it. And it depends on what field you're coming from, but to, to define it in its most um, like general sense in its most elemental form is, it's the ability to bounce back after adversity. You just, you recover from disruptions in life. Um, but then you can start adding nuances to it. It's, it's a trait, it's a process, it's an outcome. Um, you can start looking at it from the perspective of culture. You can look at it from this perspective of choice, but at the end of the day, it is the ability to get back to, uh, get back to daily functioning after disruption, after adversity. Um, and, but it's also subjective, right? That what that means matters to each individual. What what it means to me to bounce back is different for somebody else. Um, some people think that there has to be this element of growth. You, it's not just getting back to where you were. It's actually better than where you were. You didn't just you fell. You didn't just get up. You got up and you ran faster. You got up with more strength, with more vigor. It can be that, mm. but it can be just you know you stayed lying down and all you did, you just rolled over and you looked at the sky and you admired the stars that can be resilience as well. So that's why it's difficult to, to firmly define what it is because it's so subjective. But again, at, at its most basic core, it's this ability to bounce back after adversity and why it's important is because it's everywhere. We, we can't avoid adversity. We can spend so much time and effort trying to 
limit the bad things that are going to happen to us. And we might succeed, right? We might say, I never want to be homeless. So we spend so much time saving all our money and we never experience homelessness. But that doesn't mean that we fought off all the other adversity that arised unexpectedly. So adversity is a fact of life, which why re- which is why resilience is important because we're all going to experience some form of adversity and we're all going to have some sort of resilience to go with that. So is it is it fair for me to say that our coping mechanisms in which we choose help us build resiliency or can help us break our, our resiliency? Yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I would go I would go a little further than coping mechanisms. It's not just about how we cope. It, it's it has a lot to do with just how we how we live. Our our well-being is tightly connected to our resilience. There was a big study that looked at trying to understand, you know, what's the difference between soldiers who are recovering from their PTSD versus the ones who are not recovering from their PTSD? And the biggest difference between those that recovered and those that didn't was their well-being prior to the adversity prior to the trauma, those that had higher well-being prior to experiencing that trauma recovered from their PTSD faster and relatively easier than those that did not. And so our well-being is, is huge when it comes to how we cope with adversity, how we respond and how we bounce back. Um, and there's all these different parts of well-being that can contribute to that. But it's it, it, it I kind of like to think of it as physical health as well, right? So we can, um, you know, it's, it's, it's helpful to think of health from a preventative measures, right? We don't just want to react to illness in the moment. We want to be healthy every day so that when we do get sick, it's easier to cope with that illness. It's easier to bounce back. Resilience is the exact same way. And thinking of our well-being is the same as thinking of our physical health. That was, yeah, that was super profound. And I think for the students, hopefully that are listening, uh, you know, developing good habits, healthy habits as you kind of grow, as you become a student, uh, can help you further down the line, especially once you leave college and that when you can, oh, yeah. um, you know, finding a job, uh, figuring out what you're going to do in the near future, far future, those types of things are mm-hmm. really important. Um, as far exactly. as, yeah, sorry, ahead, Ben, take- not to catch off, but like, you know, talking to our students, I know Ben and I are in our thirties and we have all of our students who are 18 and in their twenties. And we always talk about this at work. It's like, you know, you won't face the same problems you're facing now when you're in our stage of life where we're not facing the same problems that maybe no people in the next stage of life are facing. And so it's how you get through them today and the resiliency factor, you know, um, that will help to build you for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, is there like, a way, you know, that we can say, I know, how can you develop? Is it something that you can develop? Is it something that you can, like, what are some examples? I'm just thinking of like a student sitting there like, okay, great. This is resiliency. This is what it is, but what can I do today to help build that? Or mm-hmm. that so there's three. Yeah, no, there is. That okay. makes a ton of sense. And there's three things that I want to talk about. Um, Cause they're, they're effective ways for boosting resilience and boosting well-being at the same time. Um, and so one is, is just identifying your strengths. Part of, um, you know, the process of resilience is identifying your, your, uh, your character, your identity anchors, your character strengths, because you use those, right. You rely on your, your strengths when life is challenging you. Um, and so identifying your strengths is a really important process and it can be, 
informal, where you literally just sit down in front of a notebook and write down the things that you think are your strengths. But you can also do some of the more structured versions of that. So there's a uh, a pretty popular character strength survey in the world of positive psychology. It's called the the Values in Action Character Strength Survey (VIA). You do this quick quiz. It's asking you about your values, and then it gives you your 24 character strengths. And those it also gives you ways to use those character strengths. And that's a really great way to just identify, you know, what is it that I'm good at? We know we're good at things, but we don't always have the language to verbalize that. And so if you can see it and give yourself that language, it gives you a little more agency and control over your strengths and you can use those. And the more effective you are at purposely applying your strengths, the easier it's going to be in the moment of adversity to help you move towards that resilience. Another thing to do is a gratitude journal. Um, gratitude journal just every day write down three things that, that were good from that day, three things that you were grateful for. Um, it helps you just be more in tune with the good parts of life. Psychologically, we have a negativity bias where we're five times more likely to focus on the negative things in life. So we got to put a little bit more effort into seeing the good. And when we can see the good, not only do we see our strengths, but we see what's going well in life as well as what's going wrong, right? Adversity happens. We tend to focus on it. We need to balance that by seeing the good. And we can do that with a three good things journal. Another thing in terms of gratitude is sending gratitude letters to people. If somebody has done something for you and you're thankful for it, write them a letter and tell them because an important process of developing resilience is maintaining your communication network. We got to rely on our people. We need to lean on them. We need support. Well, that's going to be easier and more fulfilling if you have healthy, strong relationships and sending gratitude letters is a great way to build healthy and strong relationships. And then the last thing I want to mention is a meaningfulness journal, paying attention to the things that you find meaningful, not necessarily just good, right? In my good, my three good things journal, I write down pizza and coffee all the time. I love those. I don't really <laughs> derive, <laughs> those don't necessarily give me meaning in life. They give me satisfaction, but they don't necessarily give me meaning. What gives me meaning is helping my students because I'm a teacher. I love helping my students. So keeping track of the things that brought me meaning gives me a more meaningful life, which is a great way to boost your well-being and combat the challenges of resilience. So just to quickly summarize those three, three activities you can do to develop your resilience is identify and affirm your strengths, write them down, see them in front of you and use them on purpose in small interactions every day. A gratitude journal and writing gratitude letters, be aware of the things in life that are going well to balance the awareness of the things that aren't going well. And then lastly, keep a meaningfulness journal, build the meaning in your life, see the things that, that are giving you passion, that are giving you fire and hold on to those because they help you uh, just cope with the weight of adversity. So those are the three things that I think are really effective for developing resilience. And those are all great tips. Um, yeah. We hope that everyone listening uh, is able to pull something that maybe speaks to them. Uh, I am extremely grateful for my buddy, Matt Higgins, for joining <laughs> us today. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, we're really grateful for your time. Yeah. Anytime. I love, I love doing this kind of stuff. I'm happy to, happy to come talk about resilience or well-being or meaningfulness or any of those kind of positive psychic things. I'm, I'm ready to come talk whenever you want. Thank you, Matt. We definitely appreciate your time and your expertise and sharing yours, Ben's and Eric's story. I feel like people are put in your life for a reason, you know, and um, I was thinking of like a title for this podcast while you guys are talking and nice. it's like friends imprint and life's journey, like how one person can make like yeah. a huge difference in your life, you know, for the rest sure. of it. 
Um, perhaps you may be interested in coming to one of our Mindful Mondays. Um, and you can hang out with yeah. Ben, you know, you guys can do, do whatever <laughs> you got to do. Um, but come and talk to students about what it means to be sure. mindful, meaningless, you know, resiliency, kind of pick up this conversation where, you know, the podcast left off. Yeah, I'd um, love to. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you, Ben, for inviting uh, Matt to this. It's I can't wait to see what else we have in store for the semester. Um, but students, you know where we're at. We're located inside Shack on the plaza level. Um, if you don't know where that's at, we're right behind the pharmacy. If you don't um, even know where Shack's at, put it into Google. It'll help you get there. Um, we are going to be having a ton of different podcasts this semester, maybe one, I think, every single week. So look out for that. We'll be having, um, we'll be bringing in a lot of special guests and your peers into these podcasts as well. So this has been Honesty with Shack HP. We'll see you later. Bye, Lobos. Bye.